Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Enthusiast and Co. I am Ellie, your host and enthusiast, and today's co is Casey Robinson. Casey is, well actually I'm not going to butcher what Casey's job title is because she explains it more eloquently and emotively and perfectly than I ever could. Um, But I first got to know Casey um, when she was working for a charity organisation that um, were really working towards breaking down stigmas about um, periods and from then on I've just learned so much from Casey and been super fast fascinated by every single conversation I have with her and her wealth of knowledge so I'm really really excited to bring it to you today as well. Just a note about the sound quality we obviously recorded this in lockdown and so we were somewhat limited to what we could record with so Casey's audio might be a bit fuzzy but um, that is made up for tenfold by her incredible clarity um, and conversation so I hope you enjoy. Hello Casey. Hello, Ellie. How are you? We literally just had a conversation where we promised we would not ask this anymore. Yeah, I just said that and then I was like, damn it. This is like literally can never go on live TV. Like we just had the conversation not to do that. And I'm like, how are you? Oh, (laughs) well, in answer answer to your question, I am fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm doing so well. Look at how go. Um, So before we get started, could you please tell the lovely listeners who you are and what you do? Uh, my name is Casey and I am currently a freelance consultant and facilitator in equality and inclusion work. Love it. And where are you coming live from at the moment? Are you coming from London or Nottingham? I'm coming live from a London baby. <gasps> Love it. I just, I mean, there's no real reason why I'm not going to ask people to come to your door or anything. I just wanted to get visual. Yeah. And here is my address. my what three words address is um okay so we've got so much to discuss today which I'm so excited about and just want to say thank you so much for coming on because I'm really excited to chat about it so let's get started with what are you enthusiastic about at work I'm enthusiastic about our work okay this is maybe going to be a long one maybe going to be a short one yeah we'll we'll just see we'll see how it goes (laughs) I'm just enthusiastic about my work like I love my job and even though it sounds like I'm interviewing with you right now, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, I'm just like, let's put that in there. No, I genuinely love my job. So basically a big part of my job is doing workshops and working with individuals, be that adults, uh, students, children. Yeah, also in my previous job, I was doing a lot of stuff with children. And so it's basically kind of like, I guess I guess you could call me an educator as well. Sometimes I like to refer to myself as an educator. Oh my god, you know, I literally thought about this just before we came on. I thought we could let's try and make education. It doesn't work like audibly, but it does work on type. So I'll work on that. Okay, okay, we'll we'll go for that. But no, sometimes I do like to call myself an educator because, but then also at the same time, I'm like, oh, but there's also so much knowledge I still need to have. So am I allowed to afford myself this title? It's very, uh, (laughs) very intense. We're going for educator. So as an educator, I educate and. In general, I love my job. I love the work that I do, and I'm so enthusiastic about it. And often, I think what's so great is that the type of work that I do, you you have to be enthusiastic. Like you have to love it. You have to have that passion because it can be really difficult work. Whether it's the type of stuff that you're talking about, whether it's the type of topics or issues, or whether it's just the type of not necessarily the type of people that you're working with, but working with people. I think being, being a people person, you have to be pretty enthusiastic to be considered a good people person. Um, yes, definitely. And so I think one of 
Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things for me that I always love is like doing workshops. And I think in the beginning, like doing the workshops I had done in schools and stuff, that tended to be the sort of like the big moments. But as I've kind of gone on and progressed with different groups of people, I just find that everybody has those has those moments, but they just come out in different ways. And it's sort of the kind of like, not necessarily, like, I always like, I think this is a bit cringe, but like the OMG moments. And it's, it's not always the good, it's not always something that's really good, but when I just love seeing people learning like I love to learn that one of my favorite things is learning and knowing that there is so much that I can learn and there's can keep learning forever and doing things in different ways but what I love is watching people start to love learning something new and so I think that it's just so great because then you see people sort of bring it on and you see their reactions which for me is a great motivator to kind of still keep doing that work and kind of keep the energy up during those sessions but at the same time it's also it's that kind of moment where you know that they're sort of going to go on with it and I always say that I think in the beginning when I started doing this it was sometimes a bit defeating because you were like oh I only have like an hour and that's so little time and I just have all the things I want to say and you really felt like you had this responsibility to make sure that people changed at the end of a session or a workshop whereas now yeah. it's just like just let them have that little moment to just rethink something and that's already so much work being done you know that it's impossible to get anybody to change anything in that amount of time but just when and for now for me those moments have just become so incredible and so exciting to see sort of people go on and you know at the end of the session there might be someone that comes up and asks more questions or ask for some of the information that you've referred to or a book that you referred to or something but at the same time just sort of like I always say I think most mostly with the students you see it more when they kind of like you know they try and stay a bit cool and they're like, you know, and like walk out but you can see them a little bit like oh, that was cool she's cool and I'm like oh I just thought that's what I love I just love that the most and it's so and I don't, I don't think it. I don't think it's lame. I think that's. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more. I think, but like, just the. Sometimes I think we just like. I guess we just the whole vibe is that we feel so guilty about being enthusiastic, or we feel so yes. guilty about being so excited about something that somebody else might be completely banal or not matter. And I definitely think with the type of topics that I cover in my work and the type of work that I do, which you know, like, is anti-oppression work, which is like a big thing. To have that enthusiasm, to have that like little Tommy like butterfly tickle at the end of something is amazing and that's why I love it because I get it every single time and it comes in different ways in every single session and every single workshop that I do but I always get it and it's and it's just great oh god I love that so much so you touched on what you what it is that you kind of that you facilitate in your workshops and stuff could you talk a bit more about kind of the topics you cover I know we are going to go into this later but just to give people an idea of the kind of topics that they would learn about from you if you were if they were lucky enough to be in your presence lucky enough um so in sort of very general, it's like those kind of those big topics. So we're talking about sexuality, race, gender, religion, all those different issues that are happening in our societies and different countries in different ways and the ways in which that we can kind of create more inclusive environments, the ways in which that, you know, we can just be our entire selves when we can come to work, school, wherever we're going, you know, as our full selves and feel welcome, feel valued, feel important. Feel, feel seen you know and so it's really a large part of it as much as it kind of comes under those terms for me the whole kind of umbrella term of all of it is, is kind of like teaching communication like a lot of it is teaching communication teaching how people can improve their relationships and I don't mean romantic I'm talking about platonic I'm talking about professional I'm talking about with friends with family that if we find new ways to talk about different things and different experiences and different people's different identities in ways that doesn't silence them or ways that doesn't make them seem like they're different or less or they're the other, you know, it, it benefits every single person involved in that. And so, um, but no, so it's really a lot of kind of like anti-oppression work and sort of what I sort of like 
guess I explored justice work as well. But I think also justice is a really big word. No, it's so funny. Someone asked me like a couple of days ago. They're like, you know, what is like anti-oppression to you? And I like not intentionally took this very dramatic pause and was like, <laughs> justice. And I just said, uh, justice. And I was like, that was so poetic. But I didn't intend it to be that way at all. I wasn't trying to be that cool. I just, I just took a pause so I could, I wanted to think about it. But that was the one word that came, and I was like, you know, who I think I am. But um. Yeah, like, I think part of it is, like, also with two really big words, like, freedom and justice. And I think that for so long, like, I, you know, I went to a regular high school, like, I'm from, like, a working class background, like, I'm very, you know, I didn't have any sort of, like, fancy education. And then when I did my master's degree, there was just this absolute wealth of knowledge, wealth, because I also paid lots of money to get it, that <laughs> um, I had, like, discovered, you know, like, discovered James Baldwin and all these incredible writers. And I was like, as if I've never heard of these people before. And so I think that part of that work too is like there's a justice in it because it's like this has kind of been kept out of our schools and kept out of our kind of like, you know, mainstream media, whatever you want to call it. And so when you get access to that and you get to understand those that those ways of thinking and the words of these incredible people that have devoted their entire lives to this amazing work, like that's really, really cool. God, yeah, that. there's so many there's so many levels of your dramatic justice reading because like the, the work of anti-oppression in itself is working to make things just when they are currently so unjust. But also, as you say, there's mm-hmm. a level of like meta justice in that you're giving your you know, there is there's a sense of justice in you bring working to bring these people's words and experiences and, and lived knowledge to people who wouldn't have had it before. God, there's just justice everywhere, isn't there? Yeah, it's just, and it's loads. And I think that when we see the word justice, like, maybe it's just me, but like, I see it as in this very kind of like legal courtroom type, you know, very serious situation. But I think that we, that there are moments of justice that we can have each and every day. And I think that the part of the work that I do and why I love it so much is that we can, we can bring those moments of justice, you know, getting access to the, that knowledge, getting access to the words of people who have crafted what they do that, you know, enables you to articulate stuff. You know, like, even now I'd like still sit by myself and watch James Baldwin videos on YouTube because when he says something like I'm like that's what I feel that's what I want to say you know and I just love that there's that out there but so much of the time we don't always get to to read and listen to it I love that the two main JBs in your life are James Baldwin and um, Jason Bourne okay James Jason Bourne <laughs> is a part of my work Jason Bourne is a part of my work. He's part of my play, which also sounds well dodgy because I just said it like that. Which is not what I was going to say. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there's there's a theme with the JBs right now, and I and we'll get to Jason Bourne because I love him. <laughs> You're like Ellie, no, Ellie, too much Jason Bourne. I can't contain myself. Yeah, no. If I had to pick, I would pick James Baldwin. I would 100 percent pick James Baldwin every single time. Sure, I just want to put sure. that on the record. Okay, um, but it would be a close close run thing. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, for sure. It'd be a close one, but uh, it's really funny. I'm just looking at my notes that I made, and I've written down animated cynic. <laughs> this, I just want to mention this because it was years ago. Now I titled myself, titled myself this, and it's it's really weird because I saw it today on my Twitter, and I was like, oh, this makes way more sense to me now. Like going and talking about enthusiasm, and like kind of in the work that I do, and I think that what's always so funny is that like I I do always talk about very you know serious topics and very kind of like political issues. But I think because I'm so enthusiastic about them that, like, I kind of have this animated vibe about me. So I think even sometimes people as well, they're, like, so involved in it and everyone's so going on to it. And I think that you almost forget that you're, you know, involved or having a conversation about something that is seen as such a political or, like, you know, divisive issue because of my little, you know, 
you know, you, you've hung out with me. Woo, here I am with things. <laughs> it's even when talking to... about our bad topics, I can still get excited. That is, it, that you are so right. And it's, it's kind of, um it goes back to what you say about communication because it's like you know you in your work you don't owe it to anyone to be to be making like you know more critical or negative topics like more palatable because the the point of them is that they are hard and harsh and they are real and we need to be solving them and getting working towards bettering them but there is something in your delivery that does make it so palatable is the wrong word but it makes it so much more accessible and approachable to a wider audience and I do think there's something to be said for that incredible um yeah enthusiastic approach to these things and it, I think it just makes it even more like you know most most things you say 99.9% of the things you say I listen in absolute reverence because I just think your <laughs> your passion for it just shines through from everything and it does it makes it a lot more relatable I think not oh, not that your like experience and situation is necessarily relatable to me but that your approach to it and like the you make me feel like I can help do something <laughs> just allow, but I think not even like help do something I think it just allows you to kind of be part of it because I think that yeah. also in so many ways like I mean I'm not necessarily talking about the way that a lot of this like anti-fishing work is wrapped up in lots of academic jargon which makes it completely inaccessible that's a whole different thing but for me like the enthusiasm behind it and getting and being passionate and you know translating that across like I said you know I come from a very like I hate the word normal but then it's not normal at all but like I don't come from a like a, a bougie family or anything like that you know and everybody like went to high school and that was it and I'm the only one that went to university and then did a, a master's degree and the whole time through all of it it was just like I I couldn't talk about this stuff you know when I went home you know I mean my poor mother bless her has has managed to catch herself up not I don't think it was willingly but anyway um you know, <laughs> And so for me, it was like, you know, how, especially like, so my dad's side of the family is, is Caribbean, is Jamaican. And it was like so much of the time when you're kind of talking about these issues that have directly affected so many members of my family, if not every single one of them. But like, it was wrapped up in, you know, in this very political, inaccessible way. And I just was like, that's just so unfair, you know? And I remember my aunt saying to me once being like, you know, oh, wow, like, that, that's what you go to school to do, like what we just lived. And I was like, yeah that's that's a big thing and so for me I was like that's a big part of it is the fact that it's like it has to become accessible it has to feel like everybody can join the conversation with it in certain ways because you know if I can't if I can go out and learn all this stuff but I can't go back to my family and talk about it or you know and friends and people in my community if it doesn't make any sense to them then what purpose is it really serving you know just stays in the ivory towers of academia that's that's yeah way less people than it should be and it, it can help so many people and does. I'm living proof. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm now going to um, just solely refer to you as the animated cynic. I love that. You sound like an excellent superhero villain. I love it. How funny. But no, I went, I also, I was like, gosh, I still have that on my Twitter. Like I have like 12 followers. Like what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, but you did go viral. down. Oh, I did. What did I, what did I go back? No, there was one thing I did go back for and I deleted it because I couldn't cope with the fit pressure of being, so. <laughs> Look, you know, you know my worst fear in life is becoming a viral meme, so I'm right um, behind you on that decision. Seriously, it was the most terrifying day of my life. It was awful. And I'm pretty sure it only just about hit a thousand as well, like engagement, like, like, retweets, whatever. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't live like this. This is, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I was messaging Gina like, how do you do this? How do you cope? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. oh, so, dear. 
Moving on to what are you enthusiastic about in play? I would love to know. Okay, well, I feel like I, I maybe have to lead in with Jason Bourne now. Okay, yeah. I love Jason Bourne films so much. <laughs> like so much. Like, I, I have watched all of them hundreds of times. Like, and the days when I can now watch all of them in a row, also just being clear, only the ones with Matt Damon, that other one that they did, that doesn't, that doesn't factor it on. That's not, that's not canon. That. I don't even know who was in that. I'm not, I've never watched it. I'm never going to watch it. Okay, no, it doesn't work. Um, and I don't understand what it is because also as well, like part of it too is like, I'm like, oh, this is problematic. That isn't right. And that's what I do with a lot of films, which makes it very not fun. But for some reason, my brain is a, it just switches itself off and just allows me to enjoy the pure ecstasy that sees Jason Bourne live his <laughs> life. And I, and I, I, oh my gosh, like even now I'm getting a bit flushed. I just love that movie so much. And it's not even like I have a crush on him. It's not that at all. I just love these movies. And at the end of it, and my brother always makes, makes fun of me, but he just gets excited too is that music and I don't know how familiar you are with the Jason Bourne films but it's like that wow music at the end of it I think you have that no idea beautiful. silent <laughs> no this is silent it, reference it's Katie. literally I just like, actually sing some more <laughs> oh my god I don't know anymore but it because it's just like these wow sounds but oh my gosh it's so exciting like at the end of it I'm just like I, I, oh gosh, I don't even want to admit what I'm doing at the end of it because it's so embarrassing. But I just get so excited. I'm like jumping and I very aggressively clap my hands because I get so excited. <laughs> I love it. This is a classic example of how enthusiasm is infectious because I have never <laughs> so, so sorry, Katie, I've never watched a Jason Bourne film. However, oh, I am oh, now I You know, didn't I tell me so... that I wouldn't have agreed with this. <laughs> I know, I've I've honey potted you, but I'm so excited to now watch one, just knowing that how much you enjoy it is gonna make me enjoy it regardless of whether I actually enjoy it or not. Oh my gosh, so good. Like maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch it right now, aren't I? Because Yeah, you are. It's just it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic. Okay. So and I'm, ha- I'm happy that you have that to come to you in your life and I hope that it brings you the same joys it brings me. <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it can bring anyone as much joy as it brings you, Casey. No, I don't I either. Appreciate... No, I don't either. <laughs> I appreciate your empty words. <laughs> you have really you've recently started a new project. Could you tell us more about it, please? And I will let you tell the title as well because I don't want to steal your thunder. Oh, not at all. Um I think also project is quite a big word. I'm definitely going to call it a hobby. Because okay. I have moments of when I do want to do it and when I don't. But basically, uh, I started an Instagram page called Proud of My Period. Hashtag pomp. Um, and I also looked at what that word means. And it's actually, the definition is great as well, which makes me love it even more. Why? Um, which, oh, wait, I'm going to have to Google it now because I don't know it off by heart. But like, it just, I remember like, I wanted to have something that you could say that was for short. Like, I don't know, I just like abbreviated things and you can say them. And then, um, okay, pomp, the definition of pomp is a noun, is ceremony and splendid display, especially at a public event. And then the archaic form of it is ostentatious boastfulness or vanity. Yes. Which and I was like, the project really. very well, I think. Sorry, hobby, suits the hobby yeah. very well. Not hobby. Hobby project is fine, it's interchangeable, but I just refer to it as well. I feel like if I call it a project, you're like, so what are the results? And I'm like, oh, pressure. So I think, sure, um, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So basically, I sort of, to cut a long story short, uh, in the role I was in before with the organization, we kind of exported the Red Box project, which started in the UK, big one, of course, for those people doing excellent work, uh, exported it to uh, where I was working in Monaco, um, which is an industry to provide free period project projects, that project is <laughs> free period products to uh, students in school. Of course, we needed them on the whole idea and kind of at the same time doing that work to break down the stigmas, to kind of inform them, to increase knowledge about periods in general, just to normalize periods because they are, you know, such a taboo topic, which still which still continues actually to blow my mind. And so I remember when we started doing it, excuse me, having conversations, not with students, because that age that I felt there were a lot of the students were very open to it. Because I guess just throughout that period of learning where you haven't sort of learned, oh, this is something everybody should talk about and this isn't, you're sort of like, okay, this is knowledge great and I see what I can do with it. But having conversations with adult women who were like, oh my goodness, what did you just say? You know, because like, I said, like, the word, I said period out loud, you know, or I referred to, uh, I, I, it was really fascinating for me to see how taboo this is. Yeah. And then these also were conversations with women that were married or had children or, you know, were, I don't know how that should have a bearing on it. I guess in some ways it just sounds a bit, weird but I just I was really fascinated by what how how taboo this really is and I know that you know this whole kind of othering of you know look at people over there that don't have it and you know over there that aren't doing this and you know over there we put women in huts when they're bleeding and it's still done I was like okay of course that's horrendous but if we can't even allow growing women to talk about or say the word period out loud I was like the, the principle is the same you're still silencing it and you're still silencing people yeah so just kind of in general just I just found it so fascinating just obviously very related to a lot of the stuff that I do and the work that I do but for me just something that is that happens to us you know every single month this isn't something that's every so often it's every month you know providing everybody's feeling well um Dr. Casey gosh no because like this is the all the time like the worst thing about being reflective is you're just consistently reflective so you can't ever say anything you're like wait apart from and I'm like ah yeah sort of, <laughs> sorry back periods so I just wanted I wanted to do something about about that and just make it feel like it didn't have to be this kind of really political topic like it felt like it was political and I remember having a conversation like it was in maybe a bar or something in a very relaxed environment let's say and talking and there was a couple of people there that I didn't know and so there's a group of like let's say six people and somehow the topic came up to periods and we started talking about it and so I mentioned the stuff I was doing and I remember one woman turning and saying wow I never thought the conversation was going to get here and I was like what? what? Sorry, what? I don't, I don't understand. You don't. You guys don't always talk about gender equality and uh, periods. What? What's everyone talking about? <laughs> yeah. What but else is there to say? Sense, like, you know, it, what else? What else is there to talk about? But in the, all that to say, which was you know kind of like a funny comment to me, but in the sense that I was like, oh wow, this really is something that we don't talk about at all. Yeah. That she she took the time to remark that like she was surprised that it had gotten that far. And so and sort of I started learning and understanding it more and then just sort of realizing that and I think and this is where it kind of came into something that I really wanted to feel like it was a hobby because I didn't want to I didn't, I didn't want it to be political, but I'm the non-political is political, like I know that, but I just wanted to turn to that I enjoy. I enjoy talking about periods, I enjoy learning about my body, like I enjoy knowing how it works, you know, learning that there's different phases that I'm going through and being able to read my body, which is a huge enormous thing that I was never taught to do, and I don't think we are taught to do. No, definitely not. How to prove it wrong, you know, and all these things. But then at the same time, sort of realizing that there was this kind of like 
super like whitewashed space and I was like googling Instagram accounts and trying to find different people and there are so many amazing people doing so much work up there and everything but it just it just very it felt like it was a very occupied space and so I was kind of like oh okay wait as like as a can I identify as a black woman like does that make it political that I'm doing it like just the fact that of my identity coming in and having this conversation it all of a sudden became a very political thing you know and then I was looking up articles about how there's you know different in different communities that it is more of a taboo, taboo topic than others and I think I just wanted to find a way that felt like we could just talk about periods and be who we are you know regardless of all those other things which I think you know and which I'm going to kind of go to more is like is a really is a quite a hard thing to do for, yeah, not for everybody. I'm not going to say everybody, but I'm going to say for a lot of people. And I'm going to say definitely for me, because I always definitely feel like I have this responsibility to always be so aware of everything, which is partly to do with the degree I've done, but always feel like that I have to know everything about everything to want to say I want to be good at it or want to say I want to do it or just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Because I think that was the that was the big thing for me about the ways in which the kind of these issues are always so raised and so gendered and you know it has to be it makes sense if a certain person talks about it but it doesn't make sense but it becomes political if one person talks about it but not if another talks about it. I was just going to say about um you've we've kind of had chats before as well about how um you say obviously that you identify as a black woman and there's there's so much bound up there as well in kind of people of color um focusing their efforts on topics about people of colour and it's kind of it's a double-edged sword isn't it you sent me a really great Guardian article about this where um a academic of colour who's currently studying at Cambridge um you know she was saying that she chose her dissertation topic or her PhD topic to be on um diversity in Brazil and then she kind of had a, a bit of a wobble about it because she didn't want to you know in inverted commas pigeonhole herself as just talking about diversity but also kind of felt the burden too because nobody else was and if she wouldn't who would and I think there's so much on that as well kind of as um as a woman but also as a person of colour. Definitely I think and that was and the reason I mentioned this article to you and we started having this conversation a while ago is because I think the title was like I'm I'm a black academic but it doesn't, it doesn't mean I am or want to be an expert about race. Yes. And I was like oh like that's exactly it like and that's so so many times that's how I feel you know, that when I do find something that interests me and I'm excited about it and I'm enthusiastic about learning more, doing more, I do feel this massive responsibility to, you know, make sure I'm doing it right and make sure that it's, you know, representative of the community that I come from or inclusive of the community that I come from. Not to say that they're, that they're bad things or shouldn't be done, but I just feel like that pressure sometimes falls way more on kind of other than some than others. So, for example, that like white women that did this, that were doing this work, you know work may not may very well have had those questions in the back of their mind all the time didn't think twice about account, didn't think twice about doing that type of stuff and so I think in so many different ways where we kind of have these fun little hobbies that we do um like there's and there's a lot more pressure to be not representative but you're it's so often that like when you're the minority you're just a speaker of your community or a speaker of your race or a speaker of your wherever you're coming from and it just adds so much pressure which I just find you know extremely unfair which it is but also, you know, I think which is why it, it takes some of the enthusiasm and stuff because that also requires a lot of work. And I think, and I know there's, a, there's actually, which again talks about it, and I think that it's really interesting. There's a really uh, great video. It's a couple of years old now, I think, and it's from, she's called Jenea Future Khan. And sorry, they, they are called Jenea Future Khan, excuse me. And they talk about privilege and the ways in which that we do this kind of anti oppression work. And they say about how 
just because of their identity, it makes sense that they're doing that work. You know, and so the, the whole idea that we see that it makes sense that a certain person is doing a certain work just because of all these ideologies about who they are and who they should be. So, you know, someone's yes. on, you know, Instagram doing crafting or, you know, making teas, you know, about whatever they might want it to be. There are certain identities in our mind that we have that are like, it makes sense that person's doing that, but if another person is doing it, automatically it's like, oh, it must be a political thing or it must be like a, a race thing, you know? Yes. And, and I think yeah. that's what is, is something that it just it interests me and I and that's something I'm still you know we've chatted about it because I'm still figuring it out and and learning and seeing more and understanding that so it's definitely but it's, it's, definitely it's funny isn't it because in, in a way the inverse is actually true like you know when um when somebody who is kind of from a minority or from an oppressed community is is doing something that they want that is less that should be less politicized than a person who isn't as oppressed doing it because the reason that the person who's oppressed uh, the person who's not oppressed sorry um is able to do it is because they have benefited and it is kind of them being able to do what they want whereas on the flip side you know that person is just trying to do what they have historically not been yeah, able to do they're just like yeah just being themselves being a little person out in the streets just living their life like that's just, that's kind of what it's about that's what our passions are for and our hobbies and our interests that's what they're meant to be and there was actually, I know I've done it too as well, there was the Paula who runs the Instagram account, uh, Hill House Vintage. Yes. And that was that was a big explosion last week. And I think it was last week, the week before, two weeks ago. What is what is time? Now obviously we've had it. <laughs> time is um, You know, and she has like an amazing account because she has this amazing cool country house where she does all these cute little setups and it's amazing. And it's like, I know, I don't know if you've heard um, Kelechi, she's on her Say Your Mind podcast. She she referred to that as well. She she sums up really, really well. So I don't want to take words out of her mouth. But like just the ways in which that like she was attacked just for being, just for enjoying herself, for having her hobby, for being enthusiastic and being like, I absolutely love my little like beauty cottage in the countryside with all my nice things. And I'm just out there doing that. And she was attacked for it. Whereas it was like the person who had attacked her, it was like, well, you don't see them attacking people from their own community doing it. You know, and the ways in which this became this entire, like, you know, argument about, not really argument about racism, and essentially it was racist what she did and said. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that this lady is just running an Instagram account about countryside living and can't peacefully do that. I think yeah. that's, a, that's a really really interesting thing to think about and also something that like I know I haven't explored properly but I just remember just kind of being shocked and thinking about like some of the conversations that we had had about these things and it just seemed to be kind of like a perfect example about the fact that you know if you want to just go on Insta and make like badges and teas like for some people that's just just what you do for other people there's a lot more work involved yes Definitely. Um, which leads us very nicely on to um, what are you enthusiastic about in life? Because your answer to this, I think there is so much to discuss here and we've kind of touched on it already, but I would love to deep dive onto it, please. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So in life, I mean, I think a lot of the times <laughs> my life, <laughs> oh gosh. No, I mean, you know, you know very well, you know, very well, you know, very well. You know my, that my life and my work like cross over a lot and the, the, you know, that by, passions and hobbies and stuff you know also cross over to my personal life which which I think for a long time I've always again felt guilty about and always been like and felt that I had to kind of in some way craft this personality for myself out of sight of what I'm doing like and there's there was a stupid meme or something on Instagram where it was like being a, like talking about feminism isn't a personality trait and I was like oh well that was a personal attack wasn't it <laughs> um, <laughs> you know but you know like you know like just having an opinion on a controversial topic like is 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 this whole idea that that isn't isn't who you are? And I was like, well, what if it is who I am? 
I, 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 this is this is what I do. This is who I am. I like talking about this stuff. Of course, you know, as you, as everybody now knows, I can talk about Jason Bourne for a long time. But like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about the things that I do, and I'm enthusiastic about. I think I feel would like sum up about in my life. Like, I'm really enthusiastic about the human condition. Like, I think that for me is like a really big thing. And I guess also what that opens up is like, what does it mean to be enthusiastic about, you know, quote unquote negative topics? You know, do yes. we, do we still see? It, can you still call it enthusiasm if you're talking about something controversial, something political, something taboo? You know, are you still enthusiastic then? And again, like that goes into the way that that's phrased and that's gendered. Like if you think about the fact that whether you're talking, if you're talking about feminism or you're talking about women's reproductive rights, you know, that is, is in, can you be enthusiastic about that? Or are you just like, you're just a bit political, you know, or like, oh, she's a feminist or, you know, the ways in which that we dismiss people's enthusiasm over these, you know, very, very political, very difficult, very divisive topics, but how that, that sometimes is for certain people is used as a way to silence them. And, you know, I think there's yes. a way that that's kind of perceived and constructed and the ways in which that we, I mean, I want to say the way that we understand that, but that we push it off and push it onto other people. That just fascinates me, you know, and I, I'm so fascinated by, by by history, by things that have happened. And, you know, the human, like I said, the human condition, how we suffer, why we suffer, why when we suffer, why do we make other people then suffer, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And I think, again, like I, you know, I, I know we, we talked about it a little bit and I, I touched upon it and, and all these things that are happening with toxic masculinity, you know, looking back in history and you know, I where my mother university I went through a phase, I was reading books about Nazi hunters and I was just completely obsessed by learning about what happened to these, you know, people who have done these awful things. You know, but that was and I was sort of like shunned as like oh gosh, she's like, well, that's a bit weird. And it was never something that it felt like something I had to just do early alone in my room and not talk about. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, and the and the ways in which that like all of these things have happened and all and it's and it, there are very difficult conversations and very difficult topics to, to read, especially if you're from a community where you're so actively kind of, you know, suffering and and being oppressed by those ideologies. But I think and it and I'm not sure I'm gonna get it out because I don't think enough I've ever really said this out loud before, but sometimes I am enthusiastic about what can be produced from darkness and what comes out of the darkness and out of all those horrible things that have been gone through all of all those all of these issues that we're dealing with today is all of the work that has come from that too you know i've talked about james baldwin tony morrison nina simone like poetry music art all of these things have come from that and you know it doesn't exclude it doesn't excuse them it doesn't make them any not worse than they are and i think again it just feeds back into this kind of crazy interest I have in, in the human condition and what we what we can produce and, and why it gets produced and where it comes from. I was going to say what what that what that kind of screamed to me was just that it is about you know all of these topics kind of like the sur- surface level is that you know if you talk about negative topics means that you must want the negativity to happen or you know for example the um I know you kind of offhandedly mentioned that tweet that talking about feminism uh, talking about feminism isn't a personality trait but to me what what comes out of that is that actually it's just a, it's that is a, a lack of understanding or clarity around the topic so you know maybe having a controversial opinion about feminism for the sake of being controversial isn't a personality trait, but being a feminist very much is a personality trait. And it's easy for somebody who doesn't have to live those values um, to say that, but actually for the people for whom it is life or death, it definitely is a massive part of your personality. And similarly kind of with the, 
um that gorgeous thing you said about what can be produced from darkness obviously idealistically in in you know in the best possible scenario the darkness would never have happened but it has and so yeah. you know in a in a way and it's it comes back to what you're what you were saying at the start about communication it's all about how to do what we can how to get that as far as we can to make sure that it doesn't happen again and that we can not transform it because that kind of takes away um its importance but that we can use that energy and channel it into something that is you know beautiful definitely and I, and I think also just no I think no I think you've actually summed it up really well I don't know what I don't want to respond to just you did a great conclusion there well done <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start talking and then I'm gonna digress and you, and you know what happens when I do that so it's just yeah that's definitely a great way to do it and I think that and really sort of and I think also as well like like looking at what we can achieve when we care like that's so like look at all the great things that comes out from stuff when we care you know and yeah. whether it is what, whatever it is that we care about like great things happen you know and I, I get maybe it, and this is just coming to my head now but I'm like is there a bad example of what comes out when we care you know <laughs> I don't think so I'm like putting myself on the spot I'm like oh my god Katie what did you just say is this problematic <laughs> But like, what happens when you've not said that everything we do when we care is brilliant? You've just said that good things come from that, and that is a good universal statement. So don't worry. Yeah, Um, you know, and I think, and also I think, like you say, like you just put it on a team. You know, caring is (laughs) clear, but it actually is. I mean, I'm I'm completely happy to plug you, but like, caring is cool. Like, caring about something is cool, and I just and I think that for me, and I guess you know, as I sort of like move forward in my life approaching 30 years old and seeing these things is that you know that like I think about now and like I was talking to someone today about high school and I was like wow like I wish I I wish I guess everybody wishes but I wish I had the the brain I have now going through that that you could navigate so many things that like I and do things so differently and better because you don't caring is cool and that's fine to care about stuff and it's fine to be enthusiastic about stuff and it isn't you know some silly whatever thing what anybody wants to call it you know, why you why go out and stop somebody from doing that or interrupt somebody from doing that when they're just there caring about something that matters to them and, and wanting to do good things, whether that means doing a good thing for, you know, a group of people or a good thing for a person or, you know, creating good artwork that make people feel, makes people feel better. Like, that's just so important. And I just think so much of the time, and I think, I don't want to be all like, oh, like today in like Instagram world, but like Instagram is like the best thing ever. I love Instagram, but it can also be pretty scary. And yes. they just sort of feel, you know, the whole thing that like, you know, why are you following someone if they make you feel bad or you don't like what they're saying? You know, and I think there's definitely a clear distinction between being like this person is doing something that is like damaging and commenting that as opposed to like, I just don't like what you're doing. And I don't like that you care about that, you know? And I think that's like, that's an interesting question that I think about a lot. And I think also it's, as you said, like, you know, it's a trope that's used like, oh, the Instagram generation. But also it is like those are the big questions that are playing out in real time on those apps. And we need to make sure that we are asking those questions of ourselves, because if we don't ask them, the questions don't go away. They just linger and hurt more people. So we need to be like constantly keeping ourselves in check and making sure that we're, you know, doing those things that we need to. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. And I think, again, and that, and again, that whole thing that whether it's, you know, is life, you know, in in 3D with other 3D people, which I know a lot of us aren't experiencing right now, or whether it is that, like, virtual reality life, you know, that it, it is all part of that kind of human condition and experience, which is, you know, is, is fascinating and tormenting and exciting and boring all at the same time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's just to, you know, kind of, like, wrap that up as a, to your question. 
that's that's what it is. I just love it. I'll have to give you your t-shirt commission later. I know, right? Can't wait. <laughs> that's the only reason why I'm doing it. Really, I'm just, I plan this all along. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredible wisdom um, with us. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet um, if they want to make you go viral on Twitter again? No, I'm joking. Um, if if they, they want to... 100% not sharing my Twitter. That's not going to happen. Like, you know, they say, uh, at Proud of My Period, uh, you can find me there. Everything else is private because I'm terrified of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not terrified of it, okay, but I'm just saying that, like, it's it's just, it's dangerous. It's not dangerous out there, it's scary out there. And I, also, again, like, I just care, I, I think I'm just, like, I just care too much about what people think as well. And as much as, you know, like, that everyone can say things that, like, I, I wish I had that open Instagram that was super cute and curated and had all this, like, matchy, themey stuff. And I remember being like, oh, in 2020, I'm going to open up my Instagram. Like, you know, thank goodness I didn't do that with everything else I had to deal with. <laughs> but, uh, yeah um you you will see me on at proud of my period and if you can find me on the other pages then you know what that's that's great you, you <laughs> well I'm, 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 i might accept you but you know it's that's, cool i'm, I'm happy that they listen to this you know i'm just happy that people spend 44 minutes of their life listening to me and you of course even though i feel i feel weird because i feel like i'm like so ellie what do you like and i'm but that's obviously not the point you know <laughs> Yeah, no, this is just, this is solely about you. My People have heard enough of me. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It was an absolute joy. I miss you so much. And I can't wait to drink Aperol spritzes Aww. with you whilst de- de- dissecting Jason. Oh, I'm going to talk about Aperol spritzes. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to Oh, my gosh. I'm not even drinking. It wasn't even in my notes. What if Aperol Spritz listens to this? You know they've you know they've liked my messages. Oh my god! I was going to say you're on their radar, but you're on their radar as a fan, and you've just revealed yourself not to be a fan, Casey. So on their radar as a fan, and like, what have I just done? Just like put myself on the internet. I haven't even mentioned them. Okay, so you're going to have to drink the subpar spirit for the rest of your life now. You know, I actually have stopped drinking it because I didn't want to associate the taste with lockdown. No, seriously, but they have like smells and tastes like they have, you have a memory like for them and then you're like, oh, like this tastes like whatever. I don't want to like sit my spritz under the sun, like loving life and be like, wow, this tastes like being inside and miserable. I don't want that. So I, think that's, that's I have a, a very, that's very wise, I have to say. I feel like that's a quite wise thing to do. I do check in the supermarket that it's like still there on the shelves. And people just still in production. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's like getting toilet paper and I'm like, no, I'm getting spritz. But um, yeah, I, I didn't want it. I didn't want to associate with lockdown. So I'm, I'm going to wait until, until, you know, we're feeling better about all of this and we're making progress and then, and then I'm going to bring it back into my life. Maybe that's well, why I didn't mention a, it, but I'm still disappointed. It's a cliche, but it'll be worth the wait. Oh dear. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thanks so much. And I'll see you very soon. Well, thank you very much for listening to that episode of The Enthusiast and Co. This is the bit where I tell you where you can find me. Um, I am on Instagram at theenthusiast.co, on Facebook forward slash The Enthusiast Co and on Twitter at Eleanor Kime, uh, K-I-M-E. My website is theenthusiast.co if you're looking for my merch, any more resources or my blog. Um, and you can sign up to my email newsletter there as well. Thank you so much for listening. Speak to you next time.